0: In three, two, one.
1: This is Lisa Kubik, inside sales manager for Agoro Carbon Alliance and farmer, and this is the Prairie Farm podcast.
2: Well, I came here, Sunrise Cafe, uh, bright-eyed, ready to do a podcast. I have now eaten at Sunrise Cafe, and I'm hurting. Welcome to the Prairie Farm Podcast. We're really glad you guys you are here. You should
0: clarify why you're hurting, Nick. Dude, I don't, just... Don't do them a disservice on their okay, business.
2: Right? Because their food was so good, but they came Very out with good. a mountain of chicken. A literal mountain of chicken. It It had a different... Temperature at the top of the pile of chicken than it did at the bottom of <laughs> the pile of chicken. We're here at Sunrise Cafe. We are in La Grande, Iowa. Shout out to this place. It has yeah. been delicious. We are very, very close to, if anyone had seen our YouTube channel, we did a very large planting near Tama, uh, Iowa. We're very close to that place. And we are meeting with uh, someone who I coincidentally ran into. I don't. I, Ken and I were driving by. A farm one day, and, and we just started talking about carbon credits. We had recently talked to James Holes from Iowa Cover Crop. You can hear about that on uh, previously on the podcast, and started talking about carbon credits. And Ken was like, "There is no reason we shouldn't be getting. Car- Think of all the carbon we sequester." And so I, look, guys, carbon credits is hard to figure out what in the world's going on. So I googled, still pretty well brand new. Yeah, yeah. So I just googled a bunch of stuff and uh, filled out our information on a thing. And uh, I got a call back, or an email, or something back from our guest today, Lisa. Lisa, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: And and is it, it's Agoro Carbon? Is that the company? Agoro
1: name? Carbon Alliance.
2: Agoro Carbon Alliance. So I, I guess I filled out my information, got an email from you guys, and I won't lie, was real sad to find out that our farm does not qualify for carbon credits. <laughs> and before you guys get real upset. Like Kent was, Kent cried. He cried for almost a day. Still been crying He's every still night. still crying. Yeah. they. Uh, so we've been, I was talking to her about it and I won't get into it. I'll let her, I'll let her explain why we don't actually qualify for carbon credits. But um, before we do that, who are you? Where do you come from?
1: So I'm Lisa Kubik. Um, I live here in Iowa, um, little by the little town of Trair. Um My husband and I live there with our two-year-old daughter. Um, we also farm, so we have cattle, row crops, hay, um, even a few meat goats out there. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, but um, so I also. My full-time job would be um, working with Agoro Carbon Alliance as the inside sales manager. So I get the privilege of talking to farmers and ranchers every day um, to see if carbon credits and the carbon market and producing carbon on their farm is a good fit for their operation.
2: And how broad of an area are you talking to farmers in?
1: So I actually cover a lot of states where we don't necessarily have um someone living there so i cover all of the east um i also cover a lot of the southwest um i I talk to people all over the country which is really really fun
2: how do you find these farmers
1: so actually a lot of the people i talk to have reached out to us in some way so they may have seen an ad on facebook they may have visited our website um in some way they've heard of us and they've reached out and have questions and want to talk to somebody
2: Hmm. okay so I want to dive into your company, but first, carbon credits. That's a weird thing. A lot of people know carbon credits because Bill Gates on some interview one time said, well, I can fly here on my personal jet because I, I bought carbon credits or or whatever that is. Uh, what does he mean by that? And what in the world are carbon credits?
1: So I would say in the last couple of years, um, carbon credits has become a lot more of a common conversation, especially in agriculture. Um, You read about it in every single farm magazine. um, You hear about it on the radio. But there's still a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of just not understanding about what is actually carbon markets. So essentially what we do at Agoro Carbon Alliance, we work with farmers and ranchers to figure out how can we better produce carbon Um, that we can then turn around and sell to someone like a food company or some some sort of an industry that um, they've worked to lower their carbon footprint in their business um, but have made commitments beyond that and no longer can continue to lower their carbon footprint. So that's when they start to look outside of their business and um, look somewhere else agriculture is the the perfect situation for for creating additional carbon and and tells a great story for that
2: when you say creating or producing carbon what do you actually mean by that are you like putting it in vats of putting carbon in giant vats and like selling it on, no, on the no oh, no we're not okay.
1: making pickles or anything like that we're uh, <laughs> we're, we're definitely um <laughs> yeah carbon pickles tastes Why like not? charcoal <laughs> <laughs> Uh, No, what we're doing is um, making some sort of a practice change that is then pulling carbon from the air and um, adding it to our soils. So um, Hmm. essentially, what we're doing is we're creating organic matter um, or organic Mm. carbon within the soils.
2: That's cool. I heard it. uh, James Holes, we were were talking about cover crop, and he he said it in a way I'd never heard. He said that plants in the winter actually can harvest carbon and so what we're doing is we're re- the plants are reaching into the sky and putting it into the ground and humans can use the carbon when it's in the ground if th- this is my understanding but not when it's in the air very well is that correct
1: i yeah i would agree with that um i would say the biggest thing is we are concerned about the emo- the amount of carbon that we have in in our air that we breathe and so um that is part of the reason for commitments to reduce the amount of carbon that we're producing through the things that we do as humans, um, through industry. And
0: just to clarify what Nick was talking about there with James, James is talking about as long as the temperature is a certain level so that a plant, it Has normal cellular activity going on, so it's going through photosynthesis. That's where that's where we're getting carbon out of the atmosphere. So, you know, it was
2: sixty degrees back in the when, middle of January the day we interviewed. Yeah, James. So Kent used to be a chemistry teacher. Why? Why is, does it matter that we uh, that we pull carbon out of the air? Is it just a breathing so, thing for humans? Well,
0: well, the main thing we're concerned about right now is climate change. It can be an air quality thing. Uh, you know, like if you had too high of a concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere well that's a waste product in our bodies that's a waste chemical compound Um, but our bigger concern is that it's a greenhouse gas and so when you think of the greenhouse effect you're essentially you're essentially creating a one-way blanket that surrounds the the planet and what i mean by that is that gas allows solar radiation to penetrate coming into the earth as light but it does not allow it to escape very well as heat so that energy comes in as light energy and when it hits our planet it transforms from light energy into heat energy and uh, as a result it warms our planet which just the right amount is very good right that's why we can have life on the planet however if it gets to be too much of that heat then we start to see all of the problems associated with a warming global climate, uh, like what we're seeing now all around us, um, like a dust storm in the middle of Illinois that blocks traffic and causes a huge accident or all this uh, historic flooding every few years on the Mississippi River. You know, you can go on and on. That's, that's the idea. So we're trying to lessen how much of that one-way blanket that we have surrounding our planet as greenhouse gas and so pulling carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere through photosynthesis is really our best way to achieve that
2: yeah also uh ken and i don't speak for agorocarbon right I, I, yeah well at least and i was that.
0: a biology teacher nick not a chemistry teacher but really? bio, biology includes a lot of chemistry
2: you preach to me about chemistry oh well, yeah the time.
0: well okay so so I was like i a guess you could say I was not a i preacher. guess you could say I was a biochemistry teacher biochemistry for part teacher. for part of my job
2: yeah, you just so what you did is you ripped apart worms and uh <laughs> handed out f's that's, <laughs> what that's all my biology teacher did
0: <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, whoever that was was a bad teacher, it sounds like
1: <laughs>
2: oh man, okay, so we want carbon in the ground and uh and so that's what. Harvesting or producing carbon looks like, and you are producing carbon for who? Like, who is paying for this?
1: So um, a lot of times it's it's going to be some of your ba- bigger corporations, whether they be here in the U.S. or even internationally. Are you allowed to um, share
2: who the biggest corporation that buys carbon credits from you guys is?
1: So I will not. Okay. Um, because, honestly, because honestly, um, we are actually oh two two and a half years into our current program um, really meaning that in a 10-year program where we have a 10-year commitment from a farmer um we're only we're only 20 percent there mm. so we are working with a number of buyers um to go ahead and purchase those those carbon credits but we haven't pre-sold a ton of them knowing mm-hmm. that um we have a pretty good idea of what that might look like yeah um but at the end of the day how the weather goes um how that farmer actually implements these practices can make a big difference in in what we actually see for carbon
2: man and something that you guys do and i don't know about other um carbon credit companies but you guys don't do it based off of practices you don't give payments based off practice You, you do it straight up off of carbon soil tested results which so it not that you exactly say this, but it's almost like, hey, farmers, do what you want. You just you won't get paid if so. You can do Kent and I joke like some people do cover crops, which is barely they like do it really late and like one little. Yeah, technically, yeah, technically get that yeah, and they get that one little leaf that shows up, you know, and then they spray it and they're ready to put in corn and and uh, that wouldn't cut it for you guys because you actually need the carbon to be pulled into the.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I would say one of the biggest um one of the biggest and hardest things for farmers to understand is how these markets work. Cause every single program is really different. Um, like you mentioned, our program is very performance based. So it is based on the actual amount of carbon we are sequestering on your farm so when we look at that the better we can grow cover crops the better we can make a transition to no-till we understand that things happen so we might have a really late fall and not get a cover crop in one out of the 10 years whatever it might be things happen when we're farming but the better we can do those practices and the better we can make these changes hopefully the better the return on investment for you as a farmer
2: Man, so you guys pay more if more carbon is sequestered.
1: It's all based on how much you sequester, Man. exactly. That's,
0: That's a good system. Yeah, you know, that that helps that helps prevent some of the misuse or abuse that yeah. goes on with different programs. That it's like you, yeah, you technically did what you were supposed to, but we got nowhere near the results that we wanted. So I like that it's a results based program. I think that's just smart that
2: they built built it in that way. Say say what you want about capitalism. That is it being done at its finest. The more you produce, the more you get paid.
1: Yep. The better you do, the more you get paid. Exactly. Come on.
2: I- so now I'll, I will take a company. And just so everyone knows, we did not talk about this company. This is not... This is Actually, she has never mentioned this company. I'm just going to say like Boeing Airlines or uh, Boeing um, aircraft provider. They do... Uh, let's say they... Um, come to you guys and say, "Hey, we want to buy some carbon credits. Uh, what? What does that look like?" You just say, "Well, this is how many. Let's say we have a thousand farmers, and each of them produce an average of eight credits. We've got eight thousand carbon credits you can buy." And they say, "Great, we want a thousand of them or something." Or how does that work?
1: So, I would say that's not my area of expertise. Uh, I work directly with the farmers, yeah, um, and and making sure that um, we can qualify for our program, that it's a good fit for the farm, that we can find the right practices, um, we do have a great team um, that works on what we call the commercial side that is working with buyers and um, companies that are, are looking for carbon credits. So that's not my expertise, unfortunately. We have some great people that are in that space.
2: And so what what is one carbon credit? Like, what Does that represent a certain amount of pounds of carbon sequestered out of the ground so, or out of the air? So
1: it's one ton of carbon.
2: Okay. Huh. Do you know, anybody know the average carbon credit cost right now?
1: So it it kind of varies on where you're looking. Um, right now it's somewhere between that like $6 and $10 a carbon credit. Really? So what we are doing as a company is we are essentially promising a farmer that they can get between $18 and $20 um, for a ton of carbon. So wow. that looks pretty good right now, right? Yeah. So if we could get six dollars to ten dollars now, but in ten years we're going to pay you um, somewhere in that eighteen yeah. to twenty, um, and and numbers numbers can be obviously be adjusted, but we're looking at at least double of what um, the current market status is. Hmm. So
2: so they're like traded like stocks, kind of. Did um,
1: to a point, to a point. Um, I would say we more. There, there's a lot of different opportunities for us to look at selling yeah. carbon credits. So that that could be a whole nother episode in, in what the markets look like on futures yeah. and on working directly with companies and all sorts of things. That
2: is so crazy. That's an industry that's literally just blossomed here in the last few years. That just no doubt. all of a sudden is very complicated. Hit the market, already complicated.
0: So something I'm wondering here is that rate, is that... Um, that isn't a rate that also includes a cost share on putting in the the cover crop for instance or putting in native perennial plants into a uh an area that was row cropped or something like that um so with that 6 to 10 dollars the farmer has to buy seed apply seed and hopefully come out on top or do most people do cost sharing in a with a you know a federal or state program to get their seed yep yep. that's a great question that's a great
1: question so what we're actually offering is that 18 to 20 depending on where we're at um now in some cases um like a lot of times when we're transitioning to no-till we are not purchasing additional equipment We're actually looking at reducing the costs of um, implementing a tillage practice and things like that. So um, in that case, we might not need some of that upfront money. Hmm. Um, When we're looking at something like seeding cover crops or interseeding a pasture, fertilizing a pasture, um, there can be a lot of upfront costs. So. Um, in that case, instead of waiting until we soil test in year 5 and year 10 and, and making the payment there, um, we do have an option to do some prepayments hmm. where essentially we, we do some financing of that year 5 payments yeah. and put it up front. Okay. Because so,
0: i got to imagine that. And, and I think that you know the easy thing when, when somebody is, is in the conservation world like Nick and I are, and really carbon credit company is as well. Um, you know, be like, yeah, that guy just needs to cover crop. Yeah. Just go cover crop. And, but we forget that. Yeah. Well, that costs that guy money to do that. And it costs him time and wear and tear on his equipment. It's, and so it's I think,
1: easy for us to say that someone should be doing something, but how it fits their op- operation. We, we might not know. So. Right.
0: So we have to keep that. We have to keep that in mind keep that perspective. And, and honestly, that's where, you know, you know, there's there's plenty of examples where land is not being used correctly and there's negative impacts that affect far more than just that landowner. But also we as the public that vote on federal programs and state programs, we need to realize that part of it and be like, hey, if I want more carbon credits, then I better be willing to pay a little bit more of my taxes to have these programs that help farmers implement these practices on their ground, help it make sense for them because if it's not going to make sense financially for them, they can't do it.
1: For sure, for sure. So one thing I did want to add because you were asking about um, payments up front and helping with those practices. So in a lot of areas, especially here in the state of Iowa, we have fantastic programs to help with that. Um, now, as a carbon company, we don't want you to sign up for another carbon um, program. So. Um, we're going to be selfish there cause we frankly can't sell carbon twice, just like we can't sell a bushel of corn twice. Yeah. Um, but we could sign you up for an equit program or state cost share dollars, really any of the public funds that are out there. Um, we can overlap on a carbon program to help add another 10, 20, sometimes 30, $40 an acre. Yeah.
2: We talked about that with um, Joy. Joy Van Wine Garden. We had a, an episode with her and, and, and we talked about uh, um, cover crops because she deals with Mahaska County Skunk River Watershed. And the idea was, I think the state of Iowa has $25 per acre to help cost share uh, up to 150 or something like that acres. But in her area, she got a grant to do it unlimited. She unlimited... an acre. So, you know, farmer has 1500 acres or so they can put all that into cover crop and help have the cost share there to help them out with it. Um, But so Kent had brought up cover crop. You were talking about no till. And you said those were two of the big three things that get recommended here in Iowa. What was the third one?
1: Um, The third is reduced nitrogen actually. Mm. Um, And that one is a little bit different. It's kind of based off of um, what your nitrogen rate applied um, especially on a crop that we're applying it on. We're not going to necessarily look at soybeans because we're not necessarily applying nitrogen, but mm-hmm. on, on a corn crop. So let's say you start the program and your average was 240 um, units of nitrogen per year. Mm-hmm. If in year two, you have a corn crop and apply only 200 pounds of nitrogen um, then we would have additional dollars for you there um, to essentially pay for that reduced nitrogen. Hmm. Now, a neat thing is that there are actually a lot of products out there that are looking at replacing nitrogen um, with a some sort of a biological product. So... Um, there, there's a company called pivot bio that you may be familiar with that has a product that, that claims that we can decrease our nitrogen application by 40 pounds right there. We qualify nice. that 40 pounds that you're already reducing wow. for a payment through our carbon program. That's
2: crazy. So
1: not not necessarily saying Pivot Bio is the, the only product out there, but that's one I'm familiar with that would um, definitely qualify wow. a, a farmer to not only spend less on nitrogen, but also get some carbon credits. Wow. Imagine getting paid
2: more to spend less.
0: And again, I'm yes. guessing that comes through sampling, right? So you do a, a soil test to say all right let's see how much you know you told me you only use this much nitrogen but our soil test will confirm that or or so, do you do water sampling with that as well or? so
1: with the nitrogen side it is actually just based off of application records okay yep, yep. yep.
0: Hmm. so well, that's good that there's that trust there that people are doing what they're say they're doing yeah
1: yep yep for sure so if we have application records i mean that's that's the best way hmm. i mean if if we have records of how much anhydrous is going on that's pretty simple
2: do you guys have an idea of those three things of the cover crop the reduced or no-till and the um, reduced nitrogen which actually helps the uh, carbon sequestration the most
1: so if we're going from a full tillage system to a no-till system i mean that there is huge potential there Mm. Um, a lot of times it's based on your soil types, where you're located, what type of weather you have. Okay, um, so there's no really, clear really one just like... Exactly. All of those other factors can really help determine actually how much potential hmm. we have. So we, we actually have a really neat product team that put together a technology tool for us to make an estimate on how much carbon we might sequester on a farm. Um, it includes putting in your county that you live in, Um, how do you have irrigation or no irrigation how many acres and what practices you might be looking at doing and we can punch out how many tons of carbon you might sequester per acre and then look at what your payment might be so every person can ask me how much am i going to get paid but i really don't know until we take a look at that and know where you're at and what you might be doing
2: and and earlier we had kind of talked about the prices as if farmers were getting paid six to ten dollars an acre but that's not i mean and then you had said 10 to 18 or you know higher but we're talking about per carbon credit that's
1: per carbon credit yeah. so depending on what your potential is on your farm it it can be some pretty big numbers
2: wow that is fascinating so i it, it's interesting because i mean farmers often not need help isn't like my goodness they need help but like They need support, you know, farmers need support. And I think that programs like this are worth the money. The fascinating thing is every other program that is similar to this is government funded every single one. I can't think of unless, Kent, you can think of one that I'm not thinking this one literally funded by corporations. I'm going to keep using Boeing as my example. I, I like to think that Boeing has a like save humanity fund and it cut it like paying for these carbon credits comes out of that. Um, along with like, like, uh, rescue jets that, uh, have people <laughs> who are like stranded in the middle of the ocean or something. Yeah. Go and just fly around the world every day yeah, lost <laughs> just like Iron Man, but <laughs> <laughs> an airplane. <laughs> so anyway, you yeah. see
0: that on the next Avengers, you know, 50, whatever yeah. one they're
2: on. The the Boeing SOS. The
0: I Rescue just, Jet.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Boeing. I, I, Nick, I, what would the theme song sound like if there was a Rescue Jet no. <laughs> movie? Come on.
2: <laughs> okay, okay, wait, 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 I got it. I got this. <laughs> that would be it. That'd yeah, be awesome. That's the whole very theme song. action movie. I like it. It's good. Thank yeah. you. I came up with that right off the spot. I uh, <laughs> Nicholas, The Rescue Impressive. Jet. So, so this fund. I, boeing i would
0: nick's like wearing a, a costume if we, right now
2: if we end up making one of those planes i would like. nick is
0: wearing a comic con costume right now i'm not he's dressed up like a rescue jet right now <laughs> he has flames on his boots
2: <laughs> i would if i could honestly <laughs> if like i don't know i, I feel like I would do a lot of things for a discount on food at a restaurant. So, like, where are you, avocado? Nick
0: can be talked into almost anything, but but no, I like what Nick's saying there because a lot of times programs where money is is provided as a carrot of some sort, it doesn't achieve anything for anybody other than the person who's getting the check and the person who gets to look better for writing the check. But with this. That's not the case, and there are pl- you know plenty of examples where more money is given to people for that that does lead to a good outcome. You know, CRP that's a great example, but cleaner air, better soil quality, better water quality, better habitat. Uh, but carbon credits, because they have that built-in system, like hey, this needs to be doing what you signed up that you were going to be doing. Um, there's that safety mechanism there. Mm-hmm. I feel that really guarantees that that's getting done and and it's money that's very well spent because it's a problem that affects far more than just one landowner it affects everybody in that community so uh, and ultimately we could say on the planet so um, i think that's that's really a such a good thing that we should all be cheering for and uh, you know those companies that are willing to do it whatever their motivation is they're doing it and it's good and i think they should be applauded for participating
1: for sure for sure well and at the end of the day all of these practices are things that should be um, beneficial to the farmer or ranger also Um, Yeah. yeah at the end of the day it might take some money to implement cover crops or do seeding in a pasture whatever it might be but um, three to five to ten years down the road, you should really see a return on yeah. investment yep. improving only, soil health and, exactly improving yeah. soil health and improving your operation as a whole
2: yeah
0: right yeah it 's got to make sense for for the person that it does affect the most, which is the landowner it, if it doesn 't make sense for them, we can 't expect them to implement it
2: I, so complaining about the government is such it 's a pastime for you know everybody. A <laughs> But so, what's really cool about these these programs is that they're they're privately driven. They're driven because the public has decided that hey, we care about this thing, right? Well, the like with CRP, I think that's an incredible program. The downside is that since it's run by the government, the government's like the least efficient business there has ever been, um, and and so and so you you don't you get results just there could be better results. So, the really cool thing about what you guys are doing, your company specifically, Agoro Agoro Carbon. Yep. Agoro Carbon, saying that right? There's a lot of Os Alliance, there. right? Ag- yep. yep. Agoro Carbon Alliance is is that they're fully results driven. So, like imagine if CRP was like, "Hey, we're going to put 40 species into your um into your mix and we're going to plant them and You need at least 28 of those to still be there at the end of 10 years, or where, you know, there's going to be some sort of penalty. You know, that's how it feels. It feels results driven. Now,
0: one thing I will say about CRP, though, is to enroll in CRP, you have to earn so many points uh, to, you know, receive preferential, like a, a preferential application to get CRP. You can't just be like, you know what, those acres over there, yeah, let's go ahead and put them in. Well, if they don't really achieve much, if it's ground that, if we're going to be farming, that ground should be farmed, then you're not going to get many points on it. But if it's ground that's highly erodible or ground that's going, you know, right down into a water uh waterway or into a wetland or something like that, you're gonna get that's ground that should be CRP'd. And so you're gonna get more points. So there is some result Yeah no, uh, I agree driven with that, side. it.
2: I mean, if all we're trying to do is sequester carbon with CRP, by all means just throw big blue stem and Indian grass out there and be fine. Right. But a thing that and this isn't exactly you guys' goal with carbon sequest- sequestration?
0: Se- sequestration.
2: Sequestration.
0: Sequestration. You're going to mess me up on it Sequestration.
2: Lord, forgive me. Okay. Spaghetti. So, so the, uh, but something that CRP is trying to do is trying to create habitat. Um, and, and so that can vary greatly. You, if you, all you have is switchgrass and big blue stem by the end of your 10 years, all you have is deer. You you don't have any insects. You don't have any birds. You just have deer and the occasional pheasant. But they won't live there. They'll just be there. They
0: somewhere. use as a uh, travel route. Basically, yep, yeah.
2: Yep. And uh, but you know you get you get five or six different grasses and you get ten to fifteen at least forbs in there. I mean not to mention the six hundred here when when uh, three hundred years ago. Uh well then all of a sudden you've got birds, you've got insects, you've got gophers, Pollinators. you've got badgers, yep, you got butterflies coming through. Um yeah, so it's I really like that about where Carbon Credits is going, is that since it is privately private industry driven, it is gonna be a lot more efficient. I mean you guys are just efficient. I we heard about you because we found you on online, sent you an email. And I think a day later, you'd send me an email back. You know, you you guys were on it. Uh, So we need to get to the elephant in the room. And that is why, with many acres of, uh, with perennials that sequester carbon, uh, why can't Hoxie Native Seeds be eligible for your program?
1: So I would say eligible at this time. Okay. At this time. Okay. So our team is always looking to add additional practices, additional ways to make more farmers and ranchers um, eligible for our program and qualif- qualifying for our program. So I would say at this time. Okay. Um, but
2: we're just going to call you every month for like <laughs> the next 10 years. Like, hey, you got sure, to do go. Sure. <laughs>
1: go for it. I may not have any updates yeah, for you, yeah, yeah. but we might as well check, right? Um, so at this time, we, we do look at having at least 500 acres um, to enroll. So um, that, like you say, is for an efficiency aspect. Um, with this program, it actually doesn't cost the farmer, rancher, any money in order to enroll. So we do expect you to make the practice change. So if you're going to seed cover crops, you're going to pay for the cover crops. Like I said, we have that prepayment program um, that we can look at. Um, in order to help with that. But any of that um, implementation cost is going to be at your expense. But from our aspect, we have a whole team of staff that will work with you to help you um, figure out what might make sense out um, on your ground. Um, We implement all the soil sampling So we'll do a soil sample at year one when you first sign up to set a baseline and then again in year five and year 10. So what we're looking at is like we had mentioned that um, change in soil carbon organic matter. So um, we're doing all the soil sampling for that as well as data collection. We're doing all of the background stuff. Um, which is going to be a fairly big expense really at the end of the day. So we want to make sure that our team can be efficient if we're going to send out soil samplers, if we're whatever it might be. So unfortunately, if we do have a four acre acreage and we're looking at doing some great things, that's fantastic. Like we want to hear that, that you're, you're doing a cover crop in your garden or whatever that might be. Um, But Unfortunately, you don't fit in our program at this time.
2: And, and, yeah. So I remember we, we had discussed and our, our acreages hit the mark. What it was is that we wouldn't have been able to make changes carbon wise because we had all, we've already, we've already been implementing these. Yeah. I mean, our big blue stem and Indian grass fields are there. The only thing that we had like could have done is we have maybe, 80 to 110 acres in beans any given year, depending on what we have rotating which would, through. Which
0: would then fall under what Lisa said yeah, about, but then meeting that's, the that's not enough. Yeah, so right. we would need
2: more of those rotating acres, and you know, at that point, then we're like ripping out wildflowers for no reason. So it it totally makes sense. I mean, if we already are doing, um like Boeing wants to pay companies to change. They want to they want to pay to make a difference, not pay for things that have already been happening. I'm just looking for someone to reward us for the last thirty-five years of what we've been doing. We're here. If you if you're if you're listening and, and you and you uh are ready to write us a check, we'll uh we'll send you a sticker.
0: Right. You get an act you'll get a uh action hero poster of Nicholas dressed up like the uh rescue jet.
1: <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately I do talk to a lot of guys that have been doing great things already, maybe doing cover crops for the last five years or twenty years, whatever it might be. And unfortunately, we may not qualify for the program based on the practices that we currently have. Now, I would say that um, we are always looking at new practices and new things that we might um, be able to add. So, um, for example, one thing we've been exploring is biochar. Um, There's a lot of buzz around biochar and how much carbon it can sequester, how good it is for the soil when we do make that additive Um, application of, of that product. Um, Now, is it here yet? No, unfortunately not, but it's something that we're looking into. Does it make sense um, for our program and does it make sense for the farmers that we enroll? So that might be something, if we're already no-tilling, if we've already got our nitrogen um, application where it should be, and if we've already got cover crops out there, um, could we add biochar um, to our mix and um, qualify that way. So we're always looking at new different things. Um,
2: Could you just explain for our listeners what biochar is? So, Cause Kent totally already knows he's sitting there. It's just for the listeners. <laughs> I think I know what it is, but I'm not sure. So,
1: so um, biochar can be produced in a number of different ways. But for example, there might be like a food company that has some products that essentially they'll burn. That we can then go add onto the soil. It's kind of like a charcoal product. Yeah,
0: I was right. Yep, yep. So So,
1: ha, Nick. So it kind of it kind of can vary based on um, who's producing it and what they're producing.
2: It's just like burned expired Skittles. Just like tons and tons of Skittles. Well, it would be it'd be
0: like it'd be carbon. Is that becomes part of your soil? Exactly. Basically, what it is. Exactly. So so charcoal is carbon. You know, like burned up. So, so, like
2: the when reason, you burn tires and you put them out in your field uh, is that the same thing, not the same no, thing. Not that at is all. not an organic. <laughs> well, technically, you know, rubber is uh, no kind of good. A natural <laughs> derivative, no. but that no. would not count. No, <laughs> you get a whole fine. You burn those tires Oh, My goodness. <laughs>
0: Oh man! Uh, so here's something I've I've we actually talked about this with our uh, cover crop podcast, which by the way, one of our best episodes. If you go back and l- listen to our interview with James Holtz from Iowa Cover Crop, just a fantastic conversation there. But I believe in that conversation, James referenced the uh, carbon pipeline that's you know been in the news here lately, where uh, you essentially have a company who's going to. Uh, i'm not exactly sure how they're gathering the carbon um but they're going to be pumping it so i'm not sure how they're doing so they're their drawdown taking
1: it from ethanol plants okay is, that's is right that's focus. right yeah, yeah yeah, i remember yep. now
0: ethanol plants are are part of this and uh they're i think it's a company based out of illinois they have like a large whole like underground holding yeah so there's tank. actually
1: three of them that are going through the state of iowa Yep. Okay. Yep. So three pipelines. And, yep. Yep. And uh, just a disclaimer: Aguro Carbon Alliance and most of the carbon credit companies are not tied to those carbon sure. pipelines in any way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they're not paying themselves with the no, carbon. No. No. Cr- we're that we're honestly yeah, not associated in right, any form. Right. That's good that you said that because people would probably probably think that. But um, the so with that. Will th- those companies be able to apply uh, for carbon credits for their drawdown from from uh, ethanol processing and so forth? Will they be able to? Will they be able to get carbon credits because they're saying, "Look at all this carbon that we've, you know, sequestered. You know, we get so much per liter. You know."
1: So that's a good question from what i understand um, there is a lot of funding for the pipelines up front um, mm-hmm. that is that is coming from government sources and things like that as far as the carbon they're actually putting in the ground i have no idea if they'll be able to sell those credits or what that might look like
0: yeah yeah cuz i mean they got to be they got to be making money off of it somehow and and i believe the uh, the inflation reduction act provides uh i think it's through their processing of ethanol there's some allowance within that for for uh sequestering that carbon i think is kind of where they might be getting their money but i'm sure it's got to be from other sources because the upfront costs have to just be enormous for that project but uh then the other thing along that too would be has anyone who's been putting up these you know obviously they can't just be like you know what we need around here we need a wind turbine that's all part of those those uh, those wind energy generation companies, like I think Alliant Energy is a big one. They they do a whole study on okay, what you know, what is the most advantageous you know wind gathering spot in this area, and then they put their turbines there. Would those landowners that participate in those programs essentially lease out their acre or whatever that each one of those turbines takes up? Will they be able to get some kind of carbon, uh, you know, carbon credit for, uh, you know, see, we're not using fossil fuels to generate this electricity. This is all, you know, this is carbon neutral after so many years or whatever.
1: For sure. So I don't unfortunately know the the answer to that either. Um, I would say that likely the the wind turbine company is getting any getting some kind of break somewhere. That, that. Okay. Um, sure. Cause yeah,
0: cause they're already paying that landowner
2: for leasing that. land. Exactly. Cause That's they are point, the yeah. lessee of the land. So when you, when you, when someone who's renting or leasing land reaches out, the person who gets the check from you guys is typically the person who is leasing the land
1: typically that is how it works so typically it is the the lessee because they are the person that is going to make that practice change right yeah so they're going to be the one that that pays for any additional costs that might be incurred because of that now that's not exclusive though um there are situations where a landowner maybe really wants to see a practice change made on their farm Um, so let's say they do want to transition to no-till and cover crops. It may be an expectation that the current tenant, um, go ahead goes ahead and makes those changes, or maybe they look for a different renter to, um, make those changes and follow through with that. So, um, it, it can be one or the other. A lot of times if it is not owned land, Cause that's the simplest way is if we have a farmer or rancher that owns their own land. um, But if it is not own land, we um, will sign up acres yet. Um, And, and there's ways that if we lose the land or anything like that, that um, you're, you're not necessarily restricted to the program. But if um, we do sign up those acres, we really hope that um, the farmer and, and the landowner um, talk to each other and have a pretty good understanding of what might be happening.
2: That sounds like a really awkward situation. Well, but
0: it's good, it's good to know that that's an option because so much ground is leased. It's good to know that there's options there for someone who wants to, you know, as part of their – I'm sure it has to do with their lease agreement too, how much control they have. But, but um, that they can even on ground that they don't own – put in some of these good practices to, uh, you know, one of the three things, right? Improve pasture, improve, uh, um, you know, adding cover crops or reducing nitrogen. They can implement that even on land that they may not be the landowner, but they're leasing. And I think that's a bigger win for everybody there too. And honestly, gives that person leasing that ground a little bit more value out of, out of the ground that they're spending a lot of money leasing, they can almost... It's almost like you get a second crop of sorts off of off of those acres each year. So I think that's that's pretty. And the, and the landowner wins because their soil is better taken care of, and they get better air quality and water quality.
1: Exactly, so. like you said, it it can be a little bit of a hairy situation based on what your relationship is with your tenant or landowner. Um, but really, the the best relationships there um, should work together and and both benefit from, from the carbon markets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've kind of already been hitting on this a little bit with some of our most recent questions here, but carbon credits, they've been, you know, talked about for a while, but in all actuality, I mean, to me, at least they seem pretty well, still a pretty new thing. You know, like I, I think, I think you're, like you said earlier, you're starting to hear it regularly now hear that term thrown around, but I think people are still, I'm still learning what all goes into, you know, carbon credit programs. Um, As you look into the future, it's going to change, right? It's going to – this is an evolving process. I imagine it's probably already changed in some ways since you started uh, in your position that you're at. Uh, What do you foresee happening? Do you think this is going to start branching into, like, maybe some of the other ways that we talked about with the pipeline and the turbines and – do you think it's going to expand maybe into livestock husbandry practice? You know, with, with, uh, you know, what's your what's your runoff from your confinements or your, you know, all every aspect of that? Do you think it's going to start expanding into those other areas of of ag where people can get some of these credits, or do you think it's going to pretty well stay with the three ways that you see it being applied now?
1: So I would say that we're we're always exploring new options. Mm-hmm. Um, our company, Agora Carbon Alliance, is very focused on agriculture, so we focus a lot on working with farmers and ranchers. Sure. So I would say that we're probably not going to go into anything related to wind turbines or um,
0: pipeline, pipeline, yourself, yep.
1: anything like that. Um, there are programs out there that deal with timber and forestry. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. So that's that's, that's maybe another option um, that you might be aware of that, that deals a lot with carbon and carbon credits.
0: And that's probably kind of like location-based, right? So if somebody's out in New Hampshire and they want to sequester carbon, well, it makes sense to be in forestry side, whereas in Iowa, it's, it's cropland. So.
1: Exactly, exactly. But so that I would say that's another kind of focus area that you might hear a lot about. That's not necessarily something that we focus on because we are in more interested in agriculture mm-hmm. and, and the things that happen here in agriculture. So currently we focus a lot on row crops and then rangeland and pasture ground. Um, so the rangeland and pasture ground is kind of where we get into the livestock yeah, side. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. Um, with with that program, I guess we talked a lot about row crops, but we didn't talk too much about the pasture side. So with, with the pasture side, what we can do is add things like seed. So add biodiversity out in our pastures. Um, we can add some fertility to get those, those forages really growing and to create a better root mass, therefore, um, sequestering more carbon. And the other thing we can do is improve our grazing. So we work a lot with cattle and and ranchers, um, cattle producers. And if we can essentially, improve our grazing in some way we're hopefully going to get like
0: rotational rotational grazing grazing. exactly so if we're already doing
1: some sort of rotational grazing can we move the cows more can we move them to different areas at a different pattern what might that look like if we're just continuous grazing and we're not moving our cows at all throughout the summer can we move them once a month can we move them once a week what what does it look for and
0: then that'll be then verified by a soil sample then there too right yep yep so all of
1: that will be also soiled sampled um but we'll put together a grazing plan obviously with everything in agriculture it may not work out exactly like we plan it to but if we have an idea that we're going to be moving cows once a month, once a week, whatever it might be, um, we can get a pretty good idea that's of awesome. m- what that might look like. So so that one's kind of focused more on livestock, obviously. Yeah, yeah I should have um, thought of that.
0: That's a good point.
1: Yeah, but but we're looking at other options, too. Um, one thing that's talked about a lot is the methane that's produced from cows. So whether it may maybe beef cows or dairy cows— So one thing that we've looked at is, is there something we can feed a dairy cow specifically because we've got such a large, really nutrient-dense ration that's going into a dairy cow? Is there something we can feed a dairy cow to make their rumen more efficient and to reduce the amount of methane that's coming out the Oh, that's
0: interesting. That's really interesting.
1: So not that that's necessarily coming down the pipeline, but it's something we're exploring. So are there, are there different think outside of the box kind of things that we can do to improve, um, livestock or, or crops on the farm?
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's so, uh, I don't know, that's so, it makes me so hopeful (laughs) because that, that applies to big farms and small farms there where guys are still running cows and, and they're being rewarded for that in a way and and using practices that are good and and helpful not just for them but for for everybody you get healthier meat in the stores and and less runoff through better pasture rotation and and so forth that's that's fantastic. You know, obviously you guys are focused on the ag side of things. Um, so this is just like your general perspective, obviously outside of your own company here, but just as somebody who works in the industry, do you, th- do you think this will expand to like cities and, and townships where they like maybe, so for instance, like San Francisco I know has, I think it's San Francisco, has a really impressive uh, like uh, organic waste management uh, program where they do they have like citywide composting and they you know basically turn all this food so you have like three instead of two trash cans, you know, like most townships have or, or cities have where you have your recycling goes in one and your trash goes in the other, they have a third one that's like food waste. And so then they have a food waste truck come pick that up and then they haul it off to their you know place where they have their giant composting piles and they turn that into soil and then sell the soil. Do you think like stuff like that, or maybe a city wants to plant a bunch of, you know, uh, perennial plants into their green spaces, and you know, so instead of having like a giant manicured, you know, blank lawn that's like five acres, they're like, you know what, let's seed that all into to prairie to help with drawing down more carbon. Do you th- do you think like maybe twenty five years from now, cities will get some kind of you know Reward from because there's just so many companies participating in this carbon credit uh, uh, These programs do you think that it will expand to cities and so forth or do you think it'll mostly always just kind of stay within the AG?
1: So that's really cool, first of all, that they're doing the composting. Yeah, when I, get, I saw
0: that, I was like, man, that's amazing. I every, guess I've never i that. I've I'm never sure it's very that. expensive, though, you know, to oh,
1: put, that sure, in, put that infrastructure what, in. Oh, for sure, but what a better way than yeah. sending it to the landfill. Yep. So I have actually had inquiries from different cities saying, we're going to plant 100 trees in our city. Can we get carbon credits? Oh, nice, yeah. So that's cool. There are cities out there already doing that and already thinking about these different things. Now, are we there yet? I would say no. Mm-hmm. I would say that we, we will get there, though. Oh, awesome, that's get there. I think so. Um, it's
2: almost like the most efficient place that we know right now to sequester carbon is agricultural-like farms. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're starting there, and if this works out well, okay, we'll branch into some of the more marginal ways to, um, to catch them, especially if, if carbon credits start getting more expensive or in higher demand, right? Exactly. And it's harder for companies to get them. Well, they're going to go further out to to
1: find them. Exactly, exactly. Well, in what better way um, when we're looking at a street if we've just mm-hmm. got a bunch of grass growing and instead we could plant some trees? Not only is that going to help with the carbon, but um, I've seen pictures of where it shows a temperature difference yeah. on the street, which also helps to lower our heat, our um, mm-hmm. air conditioning bills during the summer. Yep. And there's there's just so many things that. Um, could be a benefit from planting trees or like you say uh, composting our food waste Mm -hmm. just being more efficient in our cities where we have a lot of people living Um, us in agriculture we can do a lot of things because we have a lot of a lot of land but we're such a small portion of the people out there um, that live in this country that um, if we could bring all these other people in to, Mm -hmm. to do some really beneficial things I think that would be great too.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: And and we'll need to wrap up here soon because I think they're trying to close down here in a little bit. Kent gets really, really Nick is the nervous one today. He's been he's been silent over there. But dude, I uh, that chicken man it wiped me out <laughs> climbing that mountain. I'm tired, dude. I am tired. I don't know. uh Kent got a small salad had three three pieces of lettuce on it. That was his full. That'll be his meal Just all week.
0: Right? Just trying to be carbon efficient with my meal. <laughs>
2: He he never burps. It's a crazy thing about Kent. Never lets that methane out. Okay, so one more question for
0: you. Thank you, Rescue Jet.
2: (laughs) My goodness, I gotta wake you up, Nick. I gotta make fun of you or something to get you alive here, buddy. Okay, if you could snap your fingers and change one thing about the world, whether it's how people are living in the world or maybe just something about the world in general, what what uh, what would you change?
1: Wow, that's a big question.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good luck. If you wait if you pause too long, we'll we'll edit it. So it's a small pause.
1: <laughs> no, so honestly, one thing in the whole world, let's let's narrow that down to agriculture. Yeah. That, that. You're
2: well you that, can narrow it down wherever you where want. That's where I
1: work, that's where I live, that that's how I live life is in agriculture. Honestly, um, I, I talk to farmers every day, right? Um, farmers and ranchers in i would like to see that that farmers and ranchers and and really anybody is just a little bit more open-minded um Mm -hmm. there we kind of get stuck in our our own little box and do the same things that we do every day and um they work because otherwise we wouldn't be doing it but there's so many different options for us in life whether it be our personal life or on our farming operations that if we just pay attention and look around and are a little bit more open-minded, um, we might see some improvements in, in some of the things that we can do. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, that's well said. Yeah. Oh
2: my goodness. Well, that really goes well with, with our, our closing phrase, but it we've talked about it all afternoon. Now is, is What does it take to have practical change? And the really cool thing we've said this before, but really cool thing about carbon credits is it's for the government to change things. Big money has to be involved, but for big money to be involved, people have to care about it. And something really cool about carbon credits is they've skipped the government. Totally. People just said, Hey, we care about this. Mm -hmm. And big money said, okay, we'll, we'll spend money on it. So they're buying carbon credits and things like that. That is really cool. So thank you so much, Lisa. For joining us shout out again to sunrise cafe and legrand for for having us and uh uh yeah as you guys are uh, listening to this and thinking about it just remember that uh, real conservation and real change happens one mind at a time